You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Beautiful, bright, sunny morning here in TW11 to greet the new week. It's Monday the 13th of June, which means we are on the eve of Royal Ascot. Five spectacular days of sport and a wonderful showcase for British racing. Later in this show, I'll be speaking to Rod Lyons, owner of star Australian sprinter Nature Strip, who will at least go in Tuesday's King Stand and possibly will back up in the Platinum Jubilee at the end of the week. I'll also be speaking very shortly to the racing manager to Her Majesty the Queen, John Warren, who with her team of trainers is putting together a nice squad for this week. But first of all, Cornelius Lysett welcoming him back to the pod. Why is this week going to be so important? I think it could be a, a, a really significant Royal Ascot in, in many ways. First of all, uh, people are back in after two fallow years. Uh, clearly in 2020, the pandemic was uh, had really gripped us. And last year, Royal Ascot's timing was uncharacteristically um, bad uh, in that uh, the, uh, the the country didn't really open up until the week following the meeting. So there were relatively few people last year. So big crowds expected. And they're talking about a number I've seen well banded around 270,000 people uh, descending on Royal Ascot over the five days. So uh, everyone's back. It will feel to a large extent like Royal Ascot again. Her Majesty, and the, these uh, thoughts come in in uh, no particular order. Her Majesty, uh, clearly in her platinum year, with runners during the week. Uh, she hasn't been uh, seen at all public uh, events uh, around her platinum jubilee, and so there's much chat about whether or not she will be seen at Royal Ascot. But if you look at some of the horses that she's uh, scheduled to have racing in the Royal Colours this week. Uh, King's Lynn in the King's Stand Stakes is one that uh, stands out. Uh, Perfect Alibi could be running. Saga in the Britannia Stakes will be well fancied. Reach for the Moon, uh, once expected to reach for the stars, um, but uh, is in the Hampton Court Stakes Group 3 race. Still an important prize. Be interesting to see that in action. Tactical could be there during the week as well. And uh, one or two other royal runners as well. So in terms of crowds, big. In terms of Her Majesty, will she be there? That's big as well. And I know we've had horses coming from, uh, particularly from Wesley Ward's operation in America in recent years. But the international flavour to this event that really took off from about 2002-03 when, when Schwazier won the two big sprints and then the Australians came with horses like Takeover Target and Miss Andretti uh, and uh, then Black Caviar as well. Great to see Australians back. So the world state, it really feels like Royal Ascot in, in Berkshire, just to the west of London, is being literally beamed around the world and the interest will be big around the world in America because Wesley Ward is back with some big runners from Australia as well where some very big uh, contenders are in action from Japan as well uh, ne never there's never been a, a Royal Ascot winner trained in Japan but this year already whether it was in Dubai or over the last 12 months 
whether it was uh, in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, or in America at the Breeders' Cup last uh, last autumn, a lot of uh, Japanese success. So the Japanese will be here. And actually, I'm really intrigued by the fact, and we don't say this very often, do we, that uh, in the um, in the big race, uh, the Kingstand Stakes on Tuesday, um, uh, a runner from the, the Czech Republic, uh, Pontos. So that's a, a really intriguing part of the whole thing as well. And then... Um, the uh, two other things to very quickly mention, uh, and I know uh, we're in Britain, so this can't be guaranteed, but it looks like a, a classic week in terms of weather. Could be red hot on day four on Friday. And then British racing at the moment, well, it's uh, it's not, not exactly um, um, in some respects thriving. There's a lot of bickering still. There's a lot of upset. Not very many good stories. But here is an opportunity from 2.30 on Tuesday to the end of Saturday afternoon to have a whole series of good stories to to put a smile on everybody's faces. And, um, you know, people might some people might like 300 less races in a year in the not too distant future. uh, But clearly they won't want any less here. Well, Cornelius, as we speak, there is no confirmation as yet from Buckingham Palace as to whether the Queen will attend any or all of the days of Royal Ascot, having uh, missed the derby during the course of her Platinum Jubilee celebration, something I'm sure she'd love to have attended in person. But equally, all of us around the world will be keeping a pretty close eye on how the runners fare in the Royal Silks. It's a strongish squad that has been developed this year of of nine. And I've been speaking to the Queen's Racing Manager, John Warren, about them. And I began by asking him when the Royal Ascot plans really start to be formulated. I think it's fair to say that um, we start very early spring having a vague idea of what um, what we're trying to aim at for Ascot. But of course, more often than not, um, the young three-year-olds that have been pretty unexposed at two, it's very hard to get um, a proper handle on that uh, early spring. But as spring starts to unfold, the three-year-olds start to unfold into what they're likely to be to be aimed at, but yeah, I mean it's in a, in a way because Her Majesty can only race a few times a year. Um, it's sort of we try to make sure that whether it's Newbury in the spring, Epsom and Ascot are, are the three three areas where if we have the opportunity to target a horse towards a race meeting when she's at obviously it makes sense to to do so so yeah it's it, it's it's a few months in the in, in in the making and obviously we we missed her at the at the derby but i know you were able to watch the the race with her and the fact that reach for the moon didn't make it there i'm not saying it's a blessing in disguise but you'd already had the sandown run where he ran extremely well what were you thinking immediately after the the sandown run in terms of in terms of future targets Ascot was was very much on the agenda. It had a setback over the winter, and luckily, being in the hands of uh, of, of an expert trainer in, in John Goldston, we and as far as the Queen was concerned, it, everything has to be in the best interest of the horse. Um, it seemed churlish to put the horse under any pressure, or from our point of view, put the trainer under any pressure to try and get a horse to Epsom if if time was always going to be against him. So um, it became pretty evident around about the time of the Dante, when we couldn't make a Dante, um, we knew then that the unfortunate scenario of missing a, uh, uh, of missing a, an Epsom derby was, 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 was staring us in the face. So it was all roads to Ascot. 
and then we've had um, a few discussions um, in terms of um, trip that um, Reach for the Moon's Dam was actually, she ran in the Abernant, she was so quick, although she was basically a seven furlong filly, but Sir Michael Stout ran in the Abernant, she was so speedy. And he's muscularly formed, so we have settled on the horse's um, trip for the time being, um, being the mile and a quarter, and let's see what happens um, after this, where he will go next. He's got an eclipse entry, so although that's a bit tight within a couple of weeks, um, you know, we, we could be looking at something like an eclipse. He's in the King George, but, you know, he's yet to prove he's a Group 1 horse, um, so we're, you know, we're very much in the learning curve with the horse. But if you're thinking eclipses and, and, and King George's, and you know what he was capable of at two, it, it rather makes me think that you still have full faith that he's he's potentially out of the top drawer. Yes, um, but we all know they have to do it. Um, he's got all the attributes and his two-year-old form points strongly that he is of that class. As the Queen always says, let, you know, the horses can do the talking um, and he'll, he'll tell us. We're very, we're very confident that he's a high-class horse and, and everything points to that. But um, we'll see after ask how well he does and if he does extremely well and looks like he's um you know the real mccoy then he'll be aimed aimed for group ones accordingly and if he and if he's not we'll we'll you know we'll, we'll find the appropriate program for him the queen has got a stack of, of of really interesting entries in the in the handicaps as well a lot of whom might just be just be getting there and just finds one of those in the duke of edinburgh i thought he ran a fine race on his comeback uh, and certainly a couple in the Britannia, particularly Saga, who had some really good form with with Caribus as a as a two year old. Um, which is which is the one that you think might be a, might be ahead of the posse? Just Spines rated ninety seven, so he he won't be thrown in. But um, um, we've had many in house dis- discussions and debates <laughs> about his stamina potential. He is by Sea the Stars, so. On, on face value, it looks as if he should stay a mile and a half. Last year, he was certainly at his best as a mile and a quarter and didn't shine at a mile and a half. Um, but um, he, he ran at York and ran a very, very promising race um, on his comeback race this year. The horse has filled up and has done very well physically. And all pointers after York meant that um, it looked as if he would stay the mile and a half. So the Duke of Edinburgh um, is very much the right race for him at this point. He's in exceptionally good form. And I think I would be fair to say that I've got strong feedback um, from from Sir Michael that the horse is in very, very good form. So um, subject to the opposition, um, I think, you know, we, we're hoping it runs a big race. How, how many do you think the Queen will have in total? So on Wednesday, we have Perfect Alibi running in the Queen's Vase. She, we're experimenting her running over a mile and three quarters, which she hasn't done before, but she won a very nice race at Newbury, her maiden, um, staying on quite strongly. Her dam stayed a mile and three quarters. And um, although we would have preferred a little bit of kinder ground for her, she's going to have, have a go and experiment that she stays the mile and three quarters, like they're all experimenting, I guess, 
on on Wednesday. So that's the uh, that's the runner for Wednesday, and then on Thursday, we've we've got Naval College in for rating of eighty six in the King George Fifth Handicap. It'll be fun to see him get out there and see whether he's moving up up, up uh, a step. And that's a, that's a very interesting runner, and I'm sure the Queen will be all over this as well. By Dartmouth, the horse that won at Royal Ascot in her colours, that that would give a, a deal of pleasure, wouldn't it? Yes, um, for the Queen to have raced the Sire and the Dam, yeah. um, and the the Dam was a good staying mare from the Aga Khan family that we uh, used the used the the the, the Grand Dam um, to allow us to have access to a broodmare band. So we've um, yeah, he's 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 going to be great fun, a really really interesting runner, and um, and and find out you know again, there's so so much. With the three-year-olds in these handicaps, they're only coming of age. So this is this is their this is their their acid test to find out what they're really made of. Mm. And then you mentioned Saga in the in the Britannia Stakes. He runs there. He was a good two-year-old, or I did anyway. Does Kite Flyer run as well in that? No, Kite Flyer's out. He's out. Um, but Saga, um, he's finished second to three two thousand guineas winners, and. Um, there've been some mitigating circumstances with him. Um, we, we, we put going to put some blinkers on him or, or cheek pieces on him to try and get him to, to focus on his job. So he's, he's a very talented horse and we all know, obviously in a huge race like the Britannia, hopefully that might carry him along and uh, who, who knows? He, he's, he's going to be interesting only because he's hasn't, seemingly um, had the best luck in the world, finishing runner-up to three very important horses in his career. So hopefully he gets a chance to show his true colours as well. And uh, I can't leave you without talking about Kings Lynn. He he had a sort of rather ignominious double last year. He managed to be desperately unlucky in two races at, at Royal Ascot. Uh, he's in he's in two again this time, the two big Group 1 sprints. Do, do you think he might he might take in both? Well, I think what we'll do is um, because uh, it's they're only racing over five furlongs the first the first day. Um, we he he's got the constitution like he showed last year to be able to to back up. So we're hopeful that um, if he runs a big race on Tuesday and he comes out of it well, and Andrew's hundred percent happy with him, and uh, we feel like. Why not? Um, we might we might give him another turnaround. Um, yes, I mean I think it's very possible, very possible. The horse has got great constitution, as he showed last year, and he's been primed up specifically. So um, he won his Group Two um, last time very well, and um, yeah, uh, ratings wise, he's in. You know, get 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 in the shake up, which is you know, which would be tremendous fun for the Queen. Uh, and how are you feeling today, John? Are you excited? Are you nervous? How, how, what, what's what's Monday of Royal Ascot like for you in your role? Oh um, well, um, we're constant um, discussions with the trainers and keeping the Queen very, very informed. Trying to sort out jockeys. We've got a very nice filly that um, that we've put in the Sandringham off a low weight and. It's very complex trying to find lightweight riders, um, which makes things a bit tough. So we've been scratching around trying to find um, 
some lightweights, um, but the filly discretion in the Sandringham um, is a very nice filly. On, on the book, she probably wants all of a mile and a quarter, but she won over a mile last time, and we've we've specifically trained her for this race as well. So um, it's exciting, and there's all the little bits that we need to do, trying to get all the um, all, all the, the variations of what's required to make sure that the Queen has a tremendous week of great enjoyment and um, thoroughly, you know, engaged in, in watching her horses race, which is, as, as we all know, um, her greatest pleasure that she could that she can have. Well, John Warren there, Cornelius, and reach for the moon, clearly the, the horse with the best chance, though some fascinating runners in the Royal Silks this week and no confirmation as yet, as I said, as to, as to which days, if any, the, the Queen will attend in person. Uh, reach for the moon... The fact that, that John Warren is, is talking about eclipses suggests to me that in a Hampton court, 11 to 10 might still not be that bad a price. Yeah, do you remember the excitement last year from um, when Reach for the Moon, uh, son of See the Stars, was second at Yarmouth, then um, uh, second at the Royal Meeting behind Point Lonsdale in the Chesham Stakes, and people are beginning to get really excited, uh, successful at Newbury, successful at Sandan, then second to Bayside Boy in the Champagne Stakes at Doncaster. So people were getting very excited about the possibility of winning the Derby in the Platinum Jubilee year for Her Majesty. So now we're in a, a, a nice race, but but not a race quite uh, of the, the level that people were talking about at one stage. So must be a, a very big chance. And clearly uh, these trainers, not just for themselves, but for, for British racing and for the owner herself, would love to get a winner for her at Royal Ascot. And uh, John Gosden is, uh, John and Thady Gosden are, uh, are doing, uh, are going along a route which gives them absolutely every chance of achieving that. So there'll be plenty of fingers crossed for Royal winners at Ascot. Uh, again, people will be looking toward the internationals to give us headlines. Uh, talking to Nature Strip's owner Rod Lyons very shortly, Cornelius, but it's, it's an important part of the meeting for sure. It's really worth remembering how hard Ascot has, has worked on this. So Ascot uh, may be full of tradition, full of history, full of uh, old, some old-fashioned uh, traditions as well. But uh, it, it was recognised that, uh, and it is constantly recognised, that uh, the, the event needs to, to make itself as, as relevant and as modern as possible in the, the modern racing world. So it set out its stall, sent people, uh, sent emissaries around the world to try and encourage people to come around, I suppose, the turn of the century. Uh, and uh, clearly, um, uh, runners have been coming from, from, from Ireland and France in particular for, for a long time, but to go even further afield. And that strategy, that aim to say, you know, and I suppose they probably had to say this, the prize money in Britain may not be the very best. And you're in Australia, you're in America, you're in where, Japan, you're in wherever, and your prize money is better. But uh, imagine coming to this stage uh, with the, the royal party watching on and trying to win. And people were just completely seduced by that. They really wanted to come to Ascot. And uh, uh, and it is a, is a testament to the hard work of Ascot that so many uh, are coming. Well, I'm hoping that you were watching uh, my Sunday show yesterday and you'll have heard Chris Waller enlightening us. What a, an extraordinary trainer he is, a man of great humility and, and no little ability. And I think Nature Strip is one of the great stories of the week, potentially. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome his owner to the pod this morning, Rod Lyons, who I'm hoping is safely ensconced in the UK. Rod, all going well so far? 
All going tremendously well. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoying the hospitality and the beautiful weather. And we're set fair for beautiful weather this week, which is, I'm guessing, to your to your advantage. I, I suppose, in essence, do you do you want that test of of brazen speed, even with with Golden Pal in the race? Look, it's it's going to be it's going to be quick for sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, our horse can handle uh, on top of the ground or the sting out of it. Um, we're at um, Ascon on Friday, and, and the track seemed terrific. They were going to put a bit of irrigation on it. So the track won't be an excuse. It'll, it'll be a, a, sheer, a sheer a challenge and, and show of speed for sure. And, and clearly, everybody here is excited about about Nature Strip being at Royal Ascot. Just from from your perspective, from an owner's perspective, what do you think it means to people who own horses in Australia and racing fans and punters in Australia to have one of the the folk heroes, the flag bearers, doing his stuff at Ascot? Look, I think it's created an enormous amount of interest and publicity, and I know from from my days not having runners and watching Royal Ascot, it was a it was a stay up late night or record it and watch it the next morning. And the interest in Royal Ascot um, by all Australians and including the race the racing purists is is very very high. And to have an Australian Australian horses running over here, it'll be very very high. You'll see a lot of people glued to the TVs and. And watching this uh, this horse race with great interest because he's a very very popular horse over there. And it, it strikes me that you know, there are horses who are very good, and and I've talked about this a little bit with Chris yesterday. But there are a handful that transcend that for whatever reason in terms of the their popular appeal. He's obviously had the the sine qua non in Winks and and very elegant, got pretty close. This guy has run a lot. He's been defeated plenty of times, but he has won a stack of, of grade ones, and he just seems to bring it every time he comes to the races. Is, is that what it, what has made him a, a very popular horse, do you think? Yeah, look, for sure. So he's had 37 starts. He's won 20 races and been placed two or three times, finished fourth a few times. So he always gives his best. That's what makes him such a such an icon, if you like, or, or an enjoy, enjoyable to watch. He, even when he gets beaten, he, he gives his all. Um, he races right on the speed. Um, you can, you know, where you're going to be. Um, he steps cleanly from the barrier. You know, he'll be right there in the first one or two, and he tries his heart out. You know, even when he's beaten, he really gives his all. He's got great courage, and I think that's what really, you know, wins people's hearts over. That's the horse, Rod. What about you? What motivates you in this game and and your love of it? Well, I've got a bunch of friends who've been in horses for, for quite some time, and just the thrill of of, um, of having a horse good enough to uh, to win races, the, the 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 camaraderie with your friends, the the thrill. Played a fair bit of sport over the years, not at the great highest level, and it's it's the teamwork, it's the team spirit, it's uh, just the joy of being with your your friends and family and watching the horse win and that adrenaline rush you get. And I think we'll have no bigger adrenaline rush than. If we're lucky enough to uh, to salute the judge on on Tuesday, and I, I've I've given you was given your number yesterday by a, a great friend and colleague of mine, and, and he pointed out to me that on your on your WhatsApp profile pic, there's you holding, I mean, the, quite the most enormous fish that you've caught. I, I think I've I've ever seen, and and he said to me, you can tell this guy's a sportsman. Is that a fair summation? Well, that's I love my fishing, and uh, that's a that's a Murray cod, which is. Uh, one of our again, um, our great fish, uh, freshwater fish up in in the, the Murray, 
and uh, a bunch of us go away fishing a couple of times a year. And it, it's very, very good eating too. It's a, it's a beautiful big fish, and uh, I was very proud of that. It was a nine nine point five kilo Murray cod. It was a ripper. Is, is there is there a bit of competitive spirit in everything that Rod Lyons does? Uh, well, I think so. I, I don't. I've retired from work now, and I don't play golf, but I love love the fishing and uh, and the race horses. And uh, when I played sport, I, I always tried to give it my best, and always wanted to win, and never liked getting beaten. And it's the same the same in horse racing. Uh, I know you've got to accept it, but I don't like getting beaten. That's for sure. And your business journey was a, an extraordinary one, and got you to where you you are today in in many respects. Um, how does how does this journey stack up? The nature strip journey stack up in terms of your sort of personal and life experiences. Well, it's been it's been like a dream come true because it, we d- didn't expect it. It's been financially very very rewarding. Um, as I say, I've got half a dozen very very close friends who have been in the journey with us. Um, there's three New Zealanders New Zealanders with us, including Sir Steve Hansen, who used to coach the All Blacks. So. Um, I get over to New Zealand a bit um, and share time with them. They come over here. It's just, it's something you didn't expect. It's something that came from left field. Uh, racing horses is always an interest, but a horse like this comes along and it just changes your whole perspective on life, your whole um, um, interest, the uh, the excitement, the uh, the camaraderie. It's It, it does change, change your life considerably. Rod Lyons, the owner of Nature Strip there, he'll be taking on Golden Pal and Co. in the King's Stand Stakes tomorrow. And Cornelius, it's going to be an intriguing race. And the man who rides the American Golden Pal is is firmly in the news and firmly in the public eye. You have to say that Irad Ortiz comes to um, comes to Berkshire from uh, New York uh, in uh, in a great frame of mind, having been successful in the in the Belmont Stakes on Mo Donegal on was it Saturday night or Sunday morning, but uh, late Saturday, uh, the horse having been fifth in the Kentucky Derby and then winning that race for for Todd Fletcher in great style. So uh, there there is intrigue and interest uh, absolutely wherever you look, and Arad Ortiz will have a number of rides during the week. Um, Golden Pal in the King's Stand, Love Reigns in the Queen Mary and uh, and other uh, contenders as well. And uh, I think that there'll be a massive amount of interest. This will be his first Royal Ascot, won't it? Yeah, I'm a top-class rider, no doubt. Um, for me, Cornelius, his first big challenge is is stretching Golden Pal's speed over the stiff five furlongs. The weather's playing ball for them, so they've got a chance. And James McDonald won't want to let Golden Pal get too far away on Nature Strip, and they're drawn very close to each other. I could see a scenario where there's a, almost a a relay. Either Golden Pal hangs on, or he hands it to Nature Strip, but they still finish first and second pair clear. Yeah, and um, no, there are some there are some redoubtable opponents uh, against them in that race. Um, uh, Twilight Calls is certainly one of those. Uh, Kings Lynn already mentioned. You know, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? In uh, a, a, a race which is right at the centre of the best day of uh, best single day of flat racing, probably uh, in in the whole year, with all those uh, all that uh, top level stuff and uh, high quality stuff. Uh, if we could come into the closing stages of the King Standard about three forty, three forty one and a little bit, but with Nature Strip for Australia and Golden Pal for America fighting it out. It would be it would be part of a perfect start for Royal Ascot, and you couldn't keep 
the Ortiz brothers out of the action at Belmont Park on Saturday night. Not only did Irad win the Belmont Stakes on Mo Donegal, beating his brother Jose on the same owner, Mike Rapoli's nest, or in the same colours anyway, um, co-ownerships, both horses. Uh, Jose Ortiz also won the um, Woody Stevens stakes on the wildly impressive Jack Christopher, who now looks comfortably the best three-year-old in the United States. And you just rue what might have been that Chad Brown wasn't able to get him ready in time to get on the, the Triple Crown trail this year. Uh, he said he reminds him of Ghost Sapper, a horse he was closely associated with when he was with Bobby Frankel. So some t- testament to the, the ability of Jack Christopher, a flight line's a horse we've spoken about an awful lot on this podcast. He was ridden by Flavian Pratt to win the um, Met Mile, the Metropolitan Mile, in devastating, <laughs> impressive fashion. We only see the horse about once every six months, but he'll be reintroduced into the uh, TRC rankings by James on Friday. I'm looking forward to seeing where he and Jack Christopher and Mo Donegal all stack up. It was a rather um, sort of less exciting weekend in England, Ireland, France, Cornelius. But did anything anything catch your eye that might slipped under the radar? It's a funny weekend, isn't it? Uh, it's the weekend before Royal Ascot. The, the Epsom Classics only took place the other day. So inevitably, it's not going to be necessar- necessarily the headline-grabbing weekend that other weekends are. But I thought there was uh, one horse that I'm, I, I, my enthusiasm for has grown, though it didn't win at York. This was John Leeper. And do you remember John Leeper being talked up like mad for the derby of uh, last year? Frankie Dettori got on it uh, fairly late on in the day, didn't he? Uh, And um, John Leeper, since uh, that uh, run in the derby, when finishing finishing in the end in ninth place out of 11, um, ran, ran a whole lot more times last year, started this year, uh, but with a fourth place uh, at uh, Chester, then ran in the Henry, the second stakes at uh, at Santa, went up to two miles and finished down the field. Uh, then uh, ran on uh, Saturday at York in a race called, and this is significant, the Skybet Race to the Ebor Grand Cup. Uh, it is a potential trial for that race. And John Leeper stayed on really well, having been outpaced uh, for uh, trainer N. Dunlop. It's named after his late father, John Leeper, John Dunlop, J.L. Dunlop, uh, and uh, Ramor was riding. And uh, the horse kept on really well uh, during the closing stages to not actually be beaten terribly far at all. The Ebor is the plan for this horse now. And that, I would have thought, looks like a very realistic target. The horse will have plenty of weight in the Ebor, uh, but uh, will have earned plenty of weight. And that could just be uh, the, the perfect right type of race to have a go with. So looking forward to seeing John Leeper in action at, um, uh, at York in, in August. And uh, the other horse, very quickly to take out of, of York, Lion Tower, uh, which won um, a handicap there, the second race of the day. That could be going to Royal Ascot now this week to run in the, uh, the Royal Hunt Cup, I think it is. Grant Chewer, the trainer of Lion Tower, does very well with handicappers in those big, impossible-looking fields at York. So uh, look out for Lion Tower. He'd be a bit of a price, but he could easily, he's clearly in, in good order, could go to Royal Ascot later in the week. Well, Royal Ascot this week, clearly a massive television event. Once again, uh, hooking up with our friends at HBA Media and their managing director, Frank Sale, to find out where, if you're listening anywhere in the world, you can watch Royal Ascot and and just how many territories this, this meeting is going into. Frank, good morning. 
Morning, Nick. Great to be back. Uh, we're midway through a very busy 2022 with fans back at all global race courses now. Um, and so far, thanks to our new package for, for sports networks and platforms around the world, audiences have been able to enjoy the Pegasus World Cup, the Saudi Cup, Dubai World Cup, the Kazoo Epsom Derby, the Triple Crown. And now, of course, we have one of our most anticipated events and highlights of the calendar, Royal Ascot. Um, we're, we're delighted with its increased coverage and, and visibility this year. Uh, we're on 22 live broadcasters, I believe, in over 170 territories worldwide. Uh, we're live uh, in the Indian subcontinent via Sony, which is a good new deal for us um, and brings in a, a huge new audience. We've retained strong European coverage across Europe uh, with Rye in Italy, Polsat in Poland, Satanta across Eurasia, Virgin Media in Ireland, Silknet in Georgia, etc. Uh, Viaplay, um, who are NENT, um, are putting on extra production uh, across Scandinavia with local commentary with uh, for their subscribers, which is always a, a good sign. Uh, viewers in Germany, Austria, Switzerland will be able to watch via WeDoTV, uh, which is Video Solutions Dedicated Streaming Service. This is a deal we're, we're pretty excited about. Uh, the platform is rebranded as, as We Do TV uh, in April, uh, and with a prior focus on sort of entertainment series and documentaries, they now are expanding their, their sports offering uh, and have bought on some, some major sports properties. ESPN will, will take the five days across Central and South America, We've got pan regional coverage across Asia with ECLAT, Supersport in Africa, uh, and the Middle East um, is covered through Dubai Media. So, um, you know, another another event uh, on our roster and, and, and one that we've uh, been very pleased about. Um, we know, of course, that ITV will be showing every single race live, uh, either on ITV1 or their affiliate channel ITV4 uh, for the last few minutes of, of every day. Uh, we know that Sky Sports Racing is going to take every race live. We know that NBC is going to carry uh, every race live, either on NBC on Saturday or its Peacock streaming service for the rest of the day. And we know that TVG is going to take every race live to the United States as well. So it is is nothing if not comprehensive, Frank, but it seems as though this event you're reaching parts that other other beers can't reach. I think, you know, you're, you're right. It, it, it's reaching pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, we always believe that our major events in, in the sport that we look after deserve the level of exposure and coverage that is on the same level as other major sports properties. And I think by assembling and promoting you know royal ascot within our global package of of racing we've improved relationships with major mainstream sports channels um who do take the likes of you know the atp the pga the champions league um and we are now just solely focusing on on racing channels um obviously the the international appeal of of royal ascot pays dividends obviously we've got runners coming from the usa japan the middle east australia etc so having that global narrative um you know appeals to the broadcasters further um so you know it's 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 really exciting and i think with i mean i suppose with with mainstream broadcasters you know they can often find it difficult to get 
25 hours of programming, um, you know, during a busy week into their schedule. You know, in line with what we've been doing with some of our, some of our other big races, we have a brand new production from, from Ascot this year on Gold Cup Day, which is a bespoke program for the international audience. And I believe my colleague Ed is, is coming on the show later this week to elaborate further on that. All right, thanks to Frank. Thanks to all my guests this morning. Cornelius Lyser is still here. And uh, Cornelius, there'll be those who are still scrabbling around on the floor looking for their Sierra Nevada betting slips after two horses <laughs> of the same name. In case you hadn't heard, it was everywhere last week. Ran in, uh, ran in the same race and one of them won. One of them finished out yeah. the back. Yeah, well, that was convinced. Peter O'Hare was the commentator. And he must have been quite relieved um, when, as he called the horse Jessica Harrington, Jessica Harrington Sierra Nevada, uh, jumped off prominently and stayed prominent and under Shane Foley and uh, Sierra Nevada USA uh, went uh, all the way to the finishing line in front. And of course, it set uh, Jessica Harrington and Shane Foley up quite nicely for this week because they run in the same Niarcos family colours discoveries in the Coronation Stakes and she is bidding to emulate her two siblings, Alpine Star and the brilliant Alpha Centauri by winning the same race for the same connections, which would be quite something. I think it's one of those weeks where the accolade of race of the week, as we sit here on the eve of Royal Ascot, you, you know, most years you'll say, well, that's going to be the, that's going to be unbelievable. That's going to be the race of the week. That's going to be the race of the week. But if you actually uh, think about it, there are two or three candidates for race of the week likely to um, uh, be uh, uh, taking place on the first day. The Prince of Wales' stakes is shaping up really nicely with Baybridge and the Japanese uh, on the uh, on the second day, uh, the Coronation Stakes with the with a lot of uh, a lot of Guineas winners possibly in the lineup. Though I think the weather will probably be all important for uh, that particular race. Um, you've you've got a number of candidates already for the rest of the week, and I dare say something else will pop up and uh, and uh, throw down it, uh, um, throw down the gauntlet to everyone else as for it being the race of the week. So. We are sitting here on the cusp of a Royal Ascot, which has got plenty going for it, got, got masses going for it, not plenty, masses going for it, including, and people will talk about uh, the international runners and talk about the Queen and talk about the crowds and talk about the weather, but the racing is what it's all about and it looks potentially epic. It does, and I'm hoping that you can uh, tee us up with a nice winner for today. <laughs> well, um, the racing tv.com Phillies handicap at Carlisle Lovely. at 450 uh, is a race that I'm sure uh, is high in everybody's minds. There are a few uh, interesting contenders in that race. And um, in this race, I'm going for number two. It's called Alethiometer, trained by Michael Dodds, ridden by Connor Beasley. Dodds and Beasley going very well at the moment. Uh, and the Dodds team could have brunch in the Royal Hunt Cup later in the week, though the weather, uh, I dare say, the ground could play a part in that. And also a number of interesting contenders, including Black Rod in the Wokingham on, on Saturday. Uh, and uh, Alethiometer uh, on the stiff seven furlongs, stiff 1,400 metres at Carlisle, uh, the stiff seven-eighths of a mile. That will suit really well. So it's number two, Alethiometer, 450, Carlisle. Go on! <laughs> Lovely stuff. Cornelius, thank you. Thank you all for listening as well. Can't let you go without reminding you that the Goffs London sale takes place tonight in the grounds of Kensington Palace, uh, but really wants to remind you about a very special lot that is not um, a live horse, rather a maquette, a bronze maquette of Her Majesty the Queen with a mare and foal. And that is being auctioned. It really is a beautiful piece of work. If you're familiar with the work of Charlie Langton, uh, 
you'll know. If you're not, then look him up on Twitter, at Langton, L-A-N-G-T-O-N, Sculptor, all one word. Uh, it's a, a, a beautiful piece, and it's being auctioned in aid of the National Horse Racing Museum. So if you know any collectors, do divert them not only to the auction, but also to the image of the maquette that you'll find on Charlie or the NHRM's Twitter feed. That's Charlie Langton or at NHR Museum. We will be back tomorrow. First day of Ascot. I'll be at the track. Look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.